Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. Two-thirds of adults believe that there is one best-fit job out there waiting for you to discover it. This is not true. Our callings can take different shapes throughout our life. If we are faithfully listening to God's voice and discerning His voice in a trusted community, then we cannot go astray. Whereas over half of adults believe that discovering your calling is a solo journey, purpose-oriented people are more likely to strongly agree that discovering your calling requires guidance from others. Why were you put on earth? What is your calling? Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe, and those questions of purpose, of calling, are often hard to pin down in our minds and hearts. We'll spend time, oftentimes cloistered away from others, thinking about it. But as you'll hear today, thinking about calling in isolation is definitely not the best way to answer that nagging question that we all have. Actually, Gabe, as husband and dad, you've been quite a catalyst in helping your family to think through what each family member's callings are. It actually uh, was a point of discussion this past August as you were dropping your son off at college. It's in his second year, and we had so many conversations this summer about calling, about trying to discern and understand what is it that God's uniquely made him to do? Um, one of our mentors, Pete Richardson, believes that everyone has an assignment from God. Many people go throughout their whole life and they die with that song still in their chest that they never quite got to sing it. They never knew it. They never had the leadership in their life, the discipleship, the equipping, somebody that came alongside and helped them to really work through discovering and excavating the way God had uniquely designed them and what he had called them to do. It's so good to hear how you're guiding your son that way, Gabe. And as a matter of fact, you've helped guide your wife in that area as well. Now, let's reflect on that a few moments. You mentioned your friend Pete Richardson just there. Now, he helped Rebecca sometime back think through her calling, or should I say callings. Pete joined you and Rebecca on the Q stage back in 2016 at the Q conference that year. And you three had a discussion called Calling, Ambition, and Surrender. Let's just listen to a portion of that conversation. Do you believe that everybody has a calling? Is there some divine thing going on here that every human being, every Christian should seriously consider this? Because if they don't, what happens? Yeah, I do. Um, And part of it depends on how you define calling. The way I define it and see it in Scripture is calling is maybe in its simplest definition. What does God want me to do with the talents he's invested in me? So if I look at calling from a very creative perspective, God as this great creator and 7.4 billion people on earth now and counting, does he have the capacity to uniquely invest unique talent, clumps of talent in each person and then inspire their hearts to go use that in his world and creation in some way? Yes. So I believe calling is for everyone. It's not for a few Um, How many go to the grave never discovering their calling and even tapping in and realizing it? 
The majority of humanity goes to the grave never fully realizing their yeah. God-given talent yeah. and investing that and leveraging that in their lifetime. So just quickly, you, you have, I know this takes a lot of time to normally unpack, but just give us kind of the bullet points of like, what, how do you find your calling and this God assignment that you believe everybody has? How would you, how would you know that in the basic ways? I think we have to pause long enough in the speed-driven lives we live to, to get perspective. And, and I, I don't think there's a, a linear approach to that. Yeah. I think it's seeing calling in the course of your lifetime. I think it's, it's understanding the intersection of what God's invested in you with the talents he's gifted you with. And then listening to your God-inspired heart. And that's where it gets messy. But the heart is the compass. It points the way. And it, if you're listening to that God-inspired heart within you, it's telling you where to invest those talents. The clues to calling are found in the intersection of my God-given talents and my God-inspired heart. The talent component, you know, I believe everyone in the world has three to five core talents. They're born with them. You see it, maybe the easiest metaphor would be, or example would be in athletics, right? Some kids just have natural athleticism, but talent neglected stagnates. So if it's not cultivated and invested in over time, it never reaches its potential. Talent tells me what God has gifted me to do. The heart is, again, the compass. It tells me where God wants me to use that talent. The heart side of it, Scripture, Ezekiel prophesied, I'm going to replace your heart of stone with the heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a new spirit. And, and as believers with God's spirit residing in these human temples, we have a resource outside of ourselves. So each one of these hearts, the sh- here the shadow self, genuine self, some call the shadow self the false self, mm-hmm. the dark side, that has its own set of desires, its own ambitions. If we talk shadow heart to shadow heart, it's a different conversation. But when we tap into this genuine true self, yeah. which is very motivated to give back to the world, it's very other-centered, right then we have a different conversation. And that's the compass heart we want to tap into when we talk about God inspiring my heart's desires. Well, in the Christian community, I know a lot of emphasis can go into this idea of calling, but sometimes it's all about men sort of pursuing calling and women. And Rebecca, maybe you should speak to that, but then followed up maybe asking Pete, because you guys have had a lot of conversations about this, but how how does this specific conversation relate to women? When Gabe said, I want to send you, I was early 30s, he said, I'm going to send you to meet with Pete for a day, and I really want you to talk to him about calling. And I remember going, I don't want a calling, I want a piano. And so then he started looking <laughs> for a piano on Craigslist. I was turning 35, and he was trying to do something really, you know. And what's funny is two years later, here I find myself with Pete in New York. The Lord just was orchestrating something before I was even ready. And I think sometimes we hear this idea of calling and it's so intimidating, like maybe I'm not going to get it right. Or maybe it's this like elusive thing that floats in the air. And if I'm lucky enough, I'll, I'll grasp it. And I know I've sp- spoken to college students about this and women. And that, that common thread is like, even if we believe that we do have a calling, it still feels so overwhelming. And there's this intense pressure to get it right. And so I want to speak to the unworthiness of a calling. There's some that just say that's an indulgent conversation and I've I've got my head down and I'm taking care of littles and I don't really have capacity for that. It's really unveiling what's already there, right? And so speak to how you you spoke to the Q women about the seasons of that. Tell us a little bit more about what that would look like. Well, first of all, I don't think calling is gender related. And and I think it's 
it's, again, rooted in God's creativity and how he creates every person uniquely. So what I find is, again, back to the, the culture we live in, we want it quick. And if we can get perspective on our birth-to-death journey, this side of death, however many days God gives us on earth, sometimes there's decades of foundation laying that you don't know at the time in your 20s and 30s and even 40s how God's preparing you for this sense of focus calling later on in maybe the 50s and 60s. But the other thing is, I don't think calling is just work or vocation related. It's holistic. My calling should apply to all my relationships, certainly in my family, with my friends, my community, and into the body of Christ beyond work. And there should be continuity in that. And that is discovered over time. And so, you know, I work with a lot of people in their 20s and 30s, that generation. And much of the 20s is about experimentation. What does my heart really long for and what doesn't it long for? And that takes sometimes years and decades to play out. Even the stay-at-home mom has God-given talent, and it can be cultivated and developed. There's common callings, as we might say, common purposes that are a given, and we dare not discard those in the name of this so-called higher calling. And so if I'm if I'm a husband or a wife, I'm called to be a loving husband and wife. That's just a given. Um, I'm called to follow Jesus. That's an invitation. Follow me. If I have kids, I'm called to invest in them. So we have to, I think, God's call in our life is more holistic than just work-focused. Did you hear that? God's calling on our lives is more than just work-focused. Now, hold on to that thought. Again, this is Q Ideas, and that was a portion of a conversation that Gabe and Rebecca Lyons had with Pete Richardson, author of Calling's Way, The Art of Guiding Others to Live Their Unique Mission. Now, if you're a subscriber to the Q Media platform at qideas.org, you can find the full 18-minute conversation there. If you're not a member... Get a free trial subscription at qideas.org. Gabe, as Pete brought out and as you've done with your family, finding our callings is best done in community. And as we'll hear, there are some steps to work through in community to help people discover their callings. So if you're somebody who might be a parent of a teenager, maybe a college student, you're in your 20s, or you have others in your life who are always navigating or asking some of these deeper questions, I think they're going to really enjoy today's conversation because they're going to get to hear specifically these four steps of how they can work through it. And those four steps are to define, discover, decide, and do. And you're going to learn about that from a senior fellow at Barna. And she's the co-author with Bill Denzel of the book You on Purpose. And Stephanie Shackelford in this is going to help you better understand how to make sense of what God's called you to do. Let's listen in now. Whether it's the beginning of our career or later in life, we all want to know, am I on the right path? Am I doing the things that I was made to do? Perhaps now more than ever, as we navigate chaotic and uncertain times, we want to know that our life has purpose. However, our research for this book found that only one in 10 people are purpose-oriented in their work. We wrote You on Purpose to change that statistic and to guide readers through a framework to help them understand who they are and what they're uniquely positioned to do in the world. What is it that these purpose-oriented adults believe? They strongly agree that work should be selected for a higher purpose, and that we are each made for a specific purpose in the world. 
To develop our framework for finding your calling, we surveyed thousands of adults across the country and interviewed hundreds of leaders to understand what are the common perceptions and misperceptions around vocation and work. Almost four out of 10 adults are frustrated with their work and almost half are stressed. But purpose-oriented adults are three times as likely as others to be living out their calling. You on Purpose offers a four-step process for discovering and carrying out your calling with confidence. Before I outline these steps, let me explain how I define purpose. I'll use the words calling, vocation, and purpose somewhat interchangeably, but the basic definition is that your purpose is all of the special activities that God has created you to perform in the world, which could be your work, your volunteer roles, how you're a neighbor, a friend, a spouse, a parent, to name a few, all of the special activities that God created you to perform in the world, which will serve or benefit others. And this last part is key. It's not a calling if it's not blessing others. Secondly, a calling implies a caller. Our creator made us with a good plan in mind. And a calling is something given and received by God, not a self-directed creation of who I want to be. Lastly, as believers, we all start with the same calling. For Christians, our primary calling is to be the presence of Christ in the world. Our secondary calling, then, is how God is calling us to personally live this out. So first, define. The journey toward discovering your life's purpose starts with a pause. The first thing to do is to stop, take a look around, and consider deeply where you find yourself today. This starts by taking the time to define your current situation and name what your goal is through this process. How are you defining what you want your purpose to look like? Defining what we're after is is a critical part of understanding our callings. Otherwise, we end up pursuing the wrong thing. So what did our research find that most of us are after? We found that four out of five people agree that the ultimate goal in life is to be happy. Practicing Christians are even more likely than the general population to strongly agree that their ultimate aim in life is happiness. We are told, and we so often believe the myth, that life is about the pursuit of happiness. Instead, the truth is the pursuit of purpose is more fulfilling than the pursuit of happiness. Because happiness is fleeting. Like trying to catch a cloud, it disappears as soon as you grasp it because it's all based on circumstances. What's interesting, though, is that we found that though happiness is elusive, it often shows up when we are chasing purpose in a healthy way. Purpose-oriented adults are more than twice as likely as others to say that they're happy with their work. They're also more than twice as likely to feel fulfilled in life overall. So when you focus on pursuing purpose instead of happiness— you often get happiness and fulfillment as a byproduct. Purpose is rooted in God's intentional design when he created you. And this brings me to our next D, discover. Part of understanding our calling is to get more clarity on who we are, where God has placed us, and whom we are called to serve. When I talk about self-discovery, it's not in the way that the world often wants us to buy into it. We are told the myth, The journey of life is not about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself. The truth is you were created for a purpose by a loving creator who has a good plan for your life. 
We so often desire the control of creating ourselves, forcing ourselves to act a certain way or play a certain role. We strive to craft our work and curate our personal brand. But if you're working against your God-given nature, all the creating, crafting, curating, and controlling quickly gets exhausting. It's much more freeing to see our calling as a gift to receive from our good creator who made us. The discover section is the heart of understanding your calling. And here you dig deep into who and where you are, seeking a deeper understanding of yourself, your people, and your place. These details are unique to each of us. They are the building block of who we are, God's way of showing us what he's calling us to do in the world. At the end, we'll get practical on how to do this, but for now, consider these questions. Do you know who you are? What you're good at? What desires has God placed in your heart? Have you examined the painful parts of your journey and asked God how he can transform them and redeem them for his good purposes? Where are you right now and who do you surround yourself with? How can you be a blessing to your place and to your people? The next step in the process is to begin making some decisions on what course of action to pursue. The third step is decide. At this point, there may be a lot of ideas and potential futures floating around in your mind. However, we all tend to have a great fear about making the wrong choice. We believe the myth that the best way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. But we all know that in truth, life rarely follows a direct path. All we need is a general idea of where we want to head. When we see the options in front of us, we can become paralyzed, believing one wrong decision will derail us from finding our true calling. Two-thirds of adults believe that there is one best-fit job out there waiting for you to discover it. As we found out through our research and in talking to career counseling professionals, this is not true. Our callings can take different shapes throughout our life. And hopefully this should take some of the pressure off. If we are faithfully listening to God's voice and discerning his voice in a trusted community, then we cannot go astray. Whereas over half of adults believe that discovering your calling is a solo journey, purpose-oriented people are more likely to strongly agree that discovering your calling requires guidance from others. They also recognize that oftentimes there isn't a right or a wrong step. God gives us the choice. And he'll be faithful to direct or redirect where needed. Understanding ourselves and our purpose isn't meant to stay inward. It should flow outward. The whole point of living into your purpose is to bless others. So once you decide it's time for the fourth D, do. There is a difference between having a calling and living a calling. And that difference is action. It's not enough to feel prompted in your spirit toward a particular purpose. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Most of us have probably heard the saying, let go and let God. This is a myth that can keep us from putting our calling into action because the truth is that we must act in order for God to take us somewhere. Though there may not and most likely will not be perfect knowledge of where you're being called to go, like Abraham, the important part is to start moving and letting God continue to direct the steps. By choosing and committing to something now, you're not saying that this is the only thing you'll ever do for the rest of your life. What you are saying is that you're willing to commit to diving deeper into this field, this work, this life, to learn enough about it to determine if it's truly God's calling for you. 
You can't walk down two paths at the same time. To move forward, you have to choose one. But just over half of people have done something to discover their calling or purpose in life. A quarter have not taken any steps at all, and one-fifth are not really sure if they've taken action or not. In contrast, purpose-oriented people are more apt to engage in the trial-and-error process than the general population. They are more likely to have taken action to discover their calling. And taking action doesn't have to mean quitting your job and changing course all in one day. Taking small, low-risk actions is a great way to test out your calling. You can volunteer, take on a side project, practice a new skill by doing a small project for a friend, talk to professionals in a different field, or do skills training. But how do you know what areas to explore and begin taking small steps in? Here's where I want to get more practical. There are three main components to identifying your calling. So picture a Venn diagram with three overlapping circles. Your calling lies at the intersection of those circles. And they are understanding yourself, your context, and your times. So first, understanding yourself. This one we already touched on in the discover section, but to reveal our true self and point us in the way he wants us to go, God oftentimes uses our passions, our propensities, and our pain. So what are the desires of your heart? And this is much deeper than the surface level passions and interests that we so often talk about. This gets to the heart of why you are drawn to those things. Secondly, what are you good at? What are your propensities and how has God naturally wired you? And finally, a greater purpose can sometimes be revealed through the painful parts of our life. Not always, but oftentimes pain provides an avenue to uncover our callings and see our desires and our gifts more clearly. Understanding ourselves is a lifetime process as we are continually growing and changing. Keeping a journal and engaging in regular self-reflection is very useful in this journey. Assessments such as True Motivate or Clifton Strengths and others can also be useful tools to help see ourselves more clearly. The second circle is your context. Understanding yourself requires recognizing your context, the people and the place that you're a part of. And this begins by recognizing the context that shaped us while we were growing up. Some of us will come from contexts that provided encouragement, support, and opportunities for our strengths and our gifts to flourish. For others of us, this was not the case. It's important to spend time understanding our contexts because they can shape how we view our work and our purpose. And once we recognize them, we can intentionally choose which influences we want to affirm and reinforce and which ones we want to leave behind. Secondly, God uses the people around us and where he has placed us to help us discern and navigate our callings. With intentionality and for his purposes, God has placed you in a specific location, situation, and time in history. What needs can you serve right where you are? What people or places are you drawn to and why? How can your unique wiring contribute to others in specific ways? And finally, the last circle is your times. We are influenced by the times we live in and called to influence them as well. If our primary calling is to be the presence of Christ in the world, then we must understand the world that we live in and how God may be calling us to meet specific needs. Purpose-oriented people have a curiosity and an overall interest in the world around them, 
and a drive to make a difference. What needs are you drawn to as you look to the world today? How could you live out your calling in a way that would help meet those needs? At the point of intersection of all the circles in the Venn diagram, the place where your personality, skills, giftings, and background overlap with the world and the times that you live in, you'll find your opportunities. These are the things you could pursue on your path toward your purpose. There are likely a lot of good paths that could be taken, any one of which would lead to a good and fulfilling life. And even if your choices are limited, you can still make intentional decisions with the options available to you. This is a lot to throw at you, a lot to absorb and consider that takes much longer than 15 minutes, but what I hope you take away is knowing that God is writing a long story with your life. Your calling will unfold over time as you ask God to guide you to His purposes day by day. As you listen for God's direction and as you take action when you sense His leading, your calling will be revealed. So commit to acting, responding in obedience when God directs. If you are seeking the Spirit's guidance individually and in community, any action that keeps you moving forward will take you where God wants you to go. We do hope you found that helpful. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons and a talk from one of the breakout sessions from this past spring's Culture Summit around discovering your calling featuring Stephanie Shackelford. Gabe, this would be a great conversation to share with those who have questions about their calling and purpose in life. These questions come up in our lives. Sometimes it happens in our 40s, our 50s, our 60s, where we're rediscovering how God's used all these unique experiences in our life, all the different places we've worked, the people we've met, the places we've lived, to all be a part of working into His plan for what we are to do in partnership with Him. And so I hope this encouraged you as much as it encouraged me. And if you want to learn more about the book, You On Purpose, go to Barna.com slash you on purpose. It's sold everywhere books are sold, but I think it's the perfect gift for that college student, for somebody in their 20s or 30s who are first trying to discover how to answer some of these really big questions that we all are faced with. So I hope it encouraged you today. And again, go to qideas.org to learn more about our work, our mission, and to even see the video of this talk where you can actually listen to and watch Stephanie Uh, convey this information and watch it maybe in a group, a small group, where you could create a bigger dialogue with others about the importance of understanding clarity in your calling. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.